Welcome back to another episode of Mind Body Matters and the Keep Talking portion of Mind Body Matters. Mm-hmm. I'm Rob Reeford, along with my good friend, Greg Rennie. That's me. And and a special guest in the studio today, yes. who's an old friend yes. of mine. He and I got talking this past weekend about something that happened to him during his comedy routine in Ottawa. And he's here with us today. It's that Canadian guy, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Glenn Foster. Hello. Hey, how's it going, Glenn? Oh, well, uh, all right. Uh, as you can <laughs> tell by the video, I <laughs> uh, will say uh, pretty good notwithstanding. How's that? Well, I, I think what we should do uh, before we go any further, perhaps, mm-hmm. is to maybe play back the video and what happened in Ottawa uh, back a little while ago. This actually, this upset me um, mm-hmm. only because I know what you do as your profession. You're a comedian. And I often wonder, well, why do people go into comedy clubs? Uh, are they there to be entertained? Maybe to, to have a laugh or two? But uh, what I'm getting at is you actually got heckled on stage. Lectured, more like. Uh, how, how often <laughs> has that happened, honestly, in your career? Like, you've I been doing this 40-plus years now. Yeah. I don't think this has happened before. Now, mind you, I haven't worked a lot in the last couple of years. Okay. Uh, you know, with COVID and everything else and various other reasons. But, uh, you know... Um, yeah, this is, this is more than heckling. This is, this was someone basically come up and lecture me. Like, it just kind of shocked me, you know, it was just kind of, someone just walks up and, you know, lays it out, I guess. What occurred to me when I watched it is the flack that comedians had many years ago in the eighties. And I think of Andrew Dice Clay, right? Oh, yes. He, he, he was known as a, as a shock comic and he had his act and everyone understood his act. He had a great following. But there was a time where things started to shift a bit and people actually, you know, didn't see it as comedy, just seen as someone as being uh, uh, misogynistic. That that was that was the claim for that guy. So are you finding that, too, is that people don't quite understand your act? Um, the, the, the comment I get sometimes, uh, well, from club owners is uh, you make people uncomfortable. And I'm like, well, yeah. So that a minute later, I can release that discomfort. Yes. And get a bit, you know, and, and you know, I never. Okay. So my last album was called Unchecked. And the reason for that is because if you look at the cover, it's a whole bunch of boxes that I don't check. Uh, <laughs> right. If you just look at, there's a whole list of things. And there are some serious ones, you know, like uh, uh, ethnic, uh, BIPOC, uh, female, um, whatever. But there are some dumb ones, too, you know, like uh, astronaut, uh, movie star, whatever. So it's, all, it's boxes. The whole background is boxes that I don't check. And that's why it's called unchecked. But it's also called unchecked because the humor on this album is unchecked right uh-huh. uh and i think there was a third meaning too and i can't remember what it is right now <laughs> <laughs> i can't check off the third meaning of unchecked right now yeah so it's uh all right i've just lost my train of thought completely there no problem uh, <laughs> this is the mind part of mind body matters i guess <laughs> <laughs> I'm just slipping my mind is slipping away 
here. But yeah, this particular uh, encounter was, uh, it, I don't know, it just seemed very entitled of this person. Mm. To, because I had no idea, because people were, I mean, people were laughing. The show was going great. And I will say it wasn't a comedy club per se, but it was set up as a comedy show. Very clearly a comedy show. Now, the twist on this was that the uh, promoter of this particular show also had a band on afterwards and they were young kids this band so there may have been people in the audience who were more there for the band than they were you know parents and the comedy members than the comedy show right yeah Mm -hmm. but the focus of the poster was really the comedy show and the all the advertising was all about you know the comedy show but I do know that there was a, a mixed group there, some people there for the comedy, some people there for the... But this is comedy that I've done, you know, many, many places, many different audiences, etc., right? And I was really taken aback because there are jokes that I've done before and that have done well and were doing well. It was going great till this... You can hear it, the laughter when this person walks up. So I don't know if that's the one you wanted or not, but uh, this this is what, what's loaded up here is the material that I did that I think set her off. Oh, OK. So, OK. Before we play the clip, like what is your act like for the audience to know ahead of time? Like, how would you describe your act? Is it that you 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 talk about certain things that are uncomfortable, but then later on there's a payoff it's, to it? I have you know, I don't have to do this material. I mean, I, I you know, I've been doing this 40 years. I've done all kinds of television. Um, I, I'm I'm I never run. I never run into problems with language. There's only one F-bomb on the entire album, and it had to be there. And we'll play it later, and you'll see why it had to be there. There's no other word that works, right? But I am lately, uh, for the past few years particularly, running into trouble on subject matter. Mm. Where it's like, how dare you even talk about that, let alone make a joke about it? And what, Glenn, what do you what do you perceive as being the subject matter? Is it well racism? Is it? Yeah, uh, I touch on I touch on uh, uh, being what, as I say on stage, and this is a bit I'm kind of working on lately where I say on stage and I find it odd. You know, I'm white. I look white. I get called white. But the minute I talk about being white, people are like, oh, can he do that? Is that allowed? Can are white people allowed to talk about white people? Is that does he know he's white? Does he know? You know, like <laughs> it's just crazy, right? People uh, get upset just by the mere mention of certain topics lately. So it's 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 like I say, I never run into trouble, but you know, I don't I don't book a lot of Christmas shows because I'll get these calls. <laughs> First of all, do you even call them Christmas anymore? That's something that's happening. Is a lot of companies actually are pushing their quote holiday parties into January and February. Right. When they yeah. don't have to have that discussion of is the well, it's just our annual party now, right? A few weeks ago, uh, Greg and I were doing our our holiday show, <laughs> and it was like we were struggling with saying Merry Christmas to each other. Yeah, right. You know, uh, and and it ended up uh, in our. Do you remember this, Greg? In yeah, our episode, yeah. it was Happy Holidays. Right. Yeah. What holiday is that? Oh, Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, so the conversation will go like this: Hey, we'd like to hire you, but we don't want anything that might be considered sexist or racist or homophobic, and we don't want, and we don't want, and we don't want. And I'm like, oh, you don't want me, right? 
Yeah. And, and not all of my material is like this. I mean, I, you know, I can do, I can do, I'm perfectly capable of doing a clean, non-controversial show. But where is the fun in that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I have to have fun. I have to be, you know, for me, it's like the danger of it, the walking the tightrope and the, yeah. you know, it's a thrill. Yeah. It's a, it's years a, a, years ago, there was that discussion among, you know, top line comedians about what is funny and what is offensive. And the right. thought was, is that there is no boundary, right? You can talk about, you should be able to talk about everything as long as it's funny. If you're going to say it. That's right. That's what I say. But the problem is, and, and one of the clips we'll play points this out, funny is objective, subjective. Pardon yes. me. Yes. Comedy yeah. is subjective, right? So everyone think it's like teachers. Everybody thinks they can do their job, right? So people, people have an idea of, like, I'll never know. I'll, because the first time I walked into a comedy club, I performed. The very first time I walked into a comedy club. And what type of co- what what type of comedy was it way back when when you first walked into a comedy club? Was was it uh, that borderline racist stuff? Or, oh, or probably because it-, it was the eighties. Never mind borderline. It probably was racist. Okay, <laughs> you know, in the early days type thing, it would be you know that even even now people would go, well, yeah, that was. And we know there was, we know there was the material jokes, whatever, that were racist, but were acceptable back then, but aren't anymore. But I think what's been really pushed is the line of what is racist? Is it really racist for a white person to talk about just being a white person, Mm -hmm. you know, and white privilege and these sort of things, right? Yeah. So the, I, I think the goalposts have been moved. I think that's the biggest problem that, you know, we started out with, you know, so-called political correctness and it's just gotten crazier and crazier and crazier to the point where people are trying to shut down comedy shows. I mean, you see it all. People are getting attacked on stage. I guess I was lucky in a sense, you know. And you weren't the first like. Uh, no, I'm not the first. You, you, you've heard about this happening with other comedians. But again, this this one shook you. It didn't shake me. I, I mean, you saw my reaction. I just burst out laughing. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but it, it didn't shake me. It just bothers me a little bit in hindsight that people would have that kind of, you know, entitled attitude that just because this is the problem. And, and I think Ricky Gervais said something like this, too. Mm-hmm. When someone says I'm offended. Well, great. You're offended. Who cares? Are other people offended? What does it matter? Right. 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 You're offended. Okay. So it used to be people would say, oh, you know, um, I'm offended by that joke. And I I, I would prefer not to hear jokes like that. But now people are like, I'm offended by that joke. And I don't think anyone should be allowed to hear material. And that's the line we've crossed over into Mm -hmm. this. I'm offended on behalf of line. Yes. Uh And. And the worst offenders, frankly, are white people. Is that proving right? Once again, wow. Proving once again, anytime anyone's ever complained about my act at all, it's been a white person. Interesting. It's, ne- it's never been the brown person or the black person or, or what have you. That, it's no, in fact, person. I get brown people and black people coming up to me all the time going, that was hilarious. You know, I love that. I love what you're doing. I love the chances you're taking. And, and you know, proving once again, white people are the problem. <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let's roll this clip. <laughs> Thank you. You are a big and a lot of us are leading, so shut the fuck up. 
<laughs> I'm a bigot. A lot of them are leaving, so shut the fuck up. I'm a bigot? It, yeah, apparently it is a comedy show. So, who's unfair? Are people upset? Are we upset with this kind of bullshit that continues? That is allowed to continue because one person decides. Listen, are you offended? Let me ask you, ma'am. Are you offended? Oh, good. Okay. Excellent. That's how it should work. That's how society should work. It should not be like one person. Well, I'm offended. Well, fuck you. No one else is. You know, we draw these lines. No, it just bothers me. You know, we draw these lines. Oh, you know, that's not funny. That's offensive. No, it's funny and offensive. So fuck off. So that is the bit that got you in trouble uh, back in December. And um, it's created a lot of talk on the old interweb there, Mr. Foster. Oh, yeah. I, I posted it. It's got like probably like 5,000 views or something. Yeah. It's probably one of the most viewed things I've ever like. I, I, I just don't get those kind of numbers. I, I want to, uh, <laughs> if I may, I, I'd like to read a quote from uh, a mutual friend of ours. Uh, you might remember Peter Anthony Holder. Yes. Uh, a dear friend of mine out of Montreal, Canada. And he goes, Glenn, you have always been and always will be hysterical. And while you put that woman in her place, I know that comedically, you could have done a lot more to bury her. Your restraint was commendable. I'm sorry that you have to put up with audience members like that. But audience members like this have no idea what kind of buzzsaw they're potentially in for. He says, you are a trained seasoned professional who has been doing this for a very, very long time. And the people I feel sorry for, besides the rest of the audience who had to deal with such an interruption, are the new up-and-coming comics of today. Quote, unquote, from Peter Anthony Holder. Well, he, he gives me a little more credit then because <laughs> I, well, I, I'm still having should-haves, you know, in my in my mind. I'm like, well, I should have said and I could have said. Blah, blah, blah. But I, I, you, I, you, you could have buried her, I, but, but you, you chose to be actually, I think, um, civil. Well, I civil, maybe <laughs> I don't. Because I was confused. I really was confused because everyone else is laughing. This one person comes up, makes her big, you know, right. statement. Yeah. And and even well, even you can see in the clip like a moment. I'm asking people like, are are people upset? Like, and everyone's going no, no. And people came up to me after the show and apologized for her. Yeah. So and again, may, 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 maybe she was huh. just showing up for the band later. That, that's what I'm thinking. I I don't really know in comedy comedy clubs why people heckle anyway. I mean, it's it's that that itself is offensive to the comic. Is that someone's interrupting and doing a heckle? And they're 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 throwing something at you. I I think it's unfortunate that people feel that they need to do that. There's there's a couple schools of thought on that from from the heckler point of view, and one is just trying to get attention, just trying to show that I'm funnier than the comedian, or I can pull the focus, whatever. The second mm -hmm. is, uh, the, the second is they think in their head that they're helping the show. 
mm-hmm. because, you know, they, they, they've seen comedians deal with hecklers and sometimes it's the funny and sometimes it is the funniest thing in a comedian's yeah. act. Right. But you don't want to have to rely on, you know what I mean? Like you, you don't go into go, boy, I sure hope someone heckles me so I can right. <laughs> you know, right. deal with that and show how clever I am, whatever. But then the other thing that's been kind of a uh, consequence of social media is that everyone's posting everything all the time and it really takes a lot of content and comedians are scared to put out their content because then when someone comes to see them, they're going to be like, well, I saw all this on the internet. So what people have been doing over the past few years is crowd work. They don't even want to do material. So you get all these comedians going up doing crowd work because then they're not burning any material that they could do later do in a special or have people see them in a live show, whatever. Right. So you see all these videos of people dealing with the crowd and talking to the crowd. And it in, and I think part of that consequence is that they people now think well i guess it's okay to talk at a show and interact with the comedian and so on and so forth so that's become a phenomenon in the last few years and comedians who don't do a lot of crowd work or who would prefer to go out and just do material are getting a little pissed off with it crowd interaction you're saying yeah work is crowd interaction unexpected and and people because people have that notion now well i guess that's what a comedy club is because i've watched all these tiktoks and it's all comedians dealing with hecklers so you know that and and so that's where we're at i was at yuck yucks many years ago and uh, mark breslin was on stage and there was somebody talking in the audience and they were quietly told to keep it down. Oh, yeah. That's, that's what happens. Right. Out of respect for, for Brezen's, uh, Brezen's show, you know, and, and I didn't understand at the time, but later on I realized that, you know, heckling isn't part of the show. It's, it's disrespectful in a lot of ways to interrupt the guy. Well, that's another thing. People have no problem, it seems, interrupting anything these days. You know what I mean? Just And, and it's not just comedy. I mean, people... You know, want to barge in and spout their opinion on on anything these days. Oh, here's my platform. Here's my chance to show, I guess, virtual signaling. There's a lot of virtual signaling going on. Hell, hell even our prime minister does that on a regular basis. I, I think uh, in everyday life, I'm finding that we have to be, quote unquote, politically correct. That's what you're seeing. And that's what you've been seeing since the, the sort of height of this cancellation, this cancel culture. I think you've been seeing a lot of comedians in particular coming out against this and other people coming out against this, this whole notion that, you know, that, that if, if you don't agree with what someone says, they should be silenced. And it goes beyond comedy. It goes to, to free speech and, you know, our bill C, C 11. Yes. You know, and, and podcast, by the way, have you registered this podcast yet, boys? No. <laughs> huh? Hey, Greg, did you not take care of that? Uh, I thought you were taking care of that, Rob. Oh, sorry. We <laughs> we missed that one, Greg. Um, that's oh, all right. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of unregistered podcasts out there. I actually want there. There is. I actually wanted to do a podcast called Unregistered Podcast. But in fact, there is a podcast called Unregistered <laughs> Podcast. I think it's a guy out of Australia or something like that. There's a podcast with every name you can. I know, every, I know, because I was uh, with my friend Lawrence, uh, who who died a while back. But we had a kind of a little podcast started kind of thing, and we were trying to think of a name. And holy cow, you know what the internet is great for, particularly Google. Google is great 
for figuring out that a thousand other people already had your idea and probably got the website <laughs> and the, you know, the dot com and the, the. Speaking of dot coms and that, if people wanted to find you on the Internet, there's two ways. It's glennfoster.com. It's also that Canadian guy. Is it dot CA or is it dot com? It's dot com, because when I did, when I originally came up with it, uh, there was no dot CA. Ah, like that, okay. Because I originally, I got, I was one of the first, first comedians on the internet. In fact, I used to have a website that was one of those, you know, like internet provider slash dot squiggly line, whatever, whatever. Right. Yeah. But as soon as I was able to get that Canadian guy dot com, uh, I got it. Wow. And actually, piss uh, and, and and I got glennfoster.com as well. But well, the joke that I did, I did this joke in in my uh, my first comedy now special in in the year two thousand mm-hmm. uh, when I said uh, I said yeah. So I got the website uh, glennfoster.com, and then I said, well, you're never going to remember that, are you? So that's why I got that canadianguy.com. But we really should have our own web extension, Canadians. We should have dot e h question mark. E H question mark. A there you go. Uh, I th- I think the the joke that you uh, tell me if I'm wrong if I'm misquoting you I don't want I don't want to misquote you but uh, and the just for laughs special that uh, Rob sent me. Oh yeah, I, I'll how say how you spell Canada. Which which one is this now? How you spell Canada? Oh C A N A D A. Yes, it's not my joke. Three A's. Not my joke. So oh, I don't know where that okay. came from. Oh, sorry. No, it was in that clip, but it, it was, it was, they gave it to Schwimmer. Oh, it, it, yeah, was, it was that. Schwimmer's quote. Yeah. It was Schwimmer yeah. who did it yeah. probably. Sorry about yeah. that. I thought that was yours. No, it's an old joke, actually. I think I know. they just lifted it for him. Um, it's one of those ones you try to think like, who, who, I, I'm, I always wonder, you know, when you hear a street joke, we call a street joke, you know, like two guys walk into a bar or a priest right. and a rabbi, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Where do those come from? Because they're just kind of there. You know, and, and, and no one really claims them, per se. Now, that's my next question. And I've never asked a comedian this, but I will today. How do you come up with your material? Is it just you observing stuff going on in the world? Well, first of all, I wish I knew because I'd come up with more of it. Uh, <laughs> but secondly, I think I think it's just an osmosis. You know, I think it's just a observing and 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 ask my wife i'm not the most observant observant guy that's for sure i miss shit all the time but i do i guess subconsciously pick up on things that that you know bother me or kind of stick in my craw or i've noticed something you know comedy is uh maybe the way i do it i don't know but comedy i think in general is very much what's wrong with this picture Okay. Right. So when you're looking at life and looking at the world and you go, well, that's, you know, that, that seems odd. I should make a comment about that. You know, one of the things that's uh, sticking in my craw lately is um, when, you know, you you hear these government commercials and they'll be like, brought to you by the government of Canada. Well, yeah. Who else is going to give me this bullshit? (laughs) I know it's brought to me. And I really seriously, and I, I am a serious procrastinator, but I've had this idea for a couple of years now. I really want to start a petition where the government is not allowed to do that. They have to say brought to you by the taxpayers of Canada. No more claiming shit that the government, the government doesn't do fuck all 
Okay. They just spend money and it's not their money. And that's why they spend so much of it. But I think if every time they had to spout something at the end of every commercial is brought to you by the taxpayers of Canada, by the taxpayers of Ontario. This propaganda message was brought to you by the taxpayers of Ontario. One of the one of the websites I have, and I haven't really done anything with it, is propacanada.com. Propacanada. Okay. <laughs> I was actually that was going to be a title of a, of a of a of a of a podcast as well, but I thought it'd be too Canada focused, right? Yeah. So, I, I, would you would you call yourself uh, more of a Canadian? Like you're that Canadian guy, okay? Yeah, but see, people people okay. The the, the thing about that is that's not about you know patriotism and rah rah Canada and hockey and donuts and everything else. It's more about the anonymity. <laughs> Of being a Canadian comedian, right? It's more about oh who oh who you know I saw a show last oh who was in it ah uh, uh, you know that Canadian guy. So that, that it was more about that the anonymity, but I guess it just could, but it did definitely catch on because when that uh, when that special aired in the year two thousand, and don't forget it was the early early days of the internet. Uh, I probably got two or three hundred emails from people the next day. Wow. Who are you? Where did you come from? I love it. Blah, blah, blah. That Canadian guy. Great. And that's what I remembered. That's what they remembered from the special. They didn't remember Glenn Foster. They remembered that Canadian guy. Which, which becomes your brand, if you will. Right. Yeah. Which your brand. It did. I mean, basically I was trying to do what, what, what yuck yucks does. Right. Mm. Which is, which is kind of no name. You know, it's like, you don't go to yuck yucks to see, you don't think, oh, let's go see, you know, Glenn Foster at Yuck Yucks. You think, let's go to Yuck Yucks. Well, for right? for an evening yeah. of comedy, yeah. like I remember, I remember meeting you. I, I'm you and I were reminiscing the other day. I think it was late '80s, early '90s, and I think I met you at a Yuck Yucks club. Later on, you and I did a TV special for an American audience, and that was the one with David Schwimmer. And you were you were previewed as a new up-and-comer at the time, and that was about 1995, 96 or thereabouts. Yeah, I, I would say I wasn't completely an up-and-comer there because by 95, I would have been doing comedy about 15 years. Yeah, wow. well, so, but at I least guess, getting international recognition. Well, true enough, and I, true enough. And I think yeah. that's what they were getting at. Um, and I think, I think that particular uh, Just for Laughs gala that I did uh, in 1995 is certainly my most politically incorrect gala that I did. Uh, and um, I, I think, I, I know for a fact that some of the jokes in there, I'm like, well, I don't think I do that now. Not, not because, you know, for my own growth, you know what I mean? Like, why, why would, you know? Back then, I thought it was acceptable to do something, and now I'd go, well, probably not. Just for Laughs has long been the launchpad for new comedy talent. The following funny people are among this year's hottest discoveries. Coming soon to a sitcom, movie, or bestseller list near you. Here's our next guest, Glenn Foster. I got a speeding ticket the other day. Oh, man. Yeah, getting to the end of the month, they got to start making that quota. Huh? Oh, I'm telling you, two kilometers over the limit. Female cop, speaking of quotas. Anyway. She goes, "Uh, sir, I have to give you a ticket. I I know, it's that time of the month. Just write it up. Let me go. I got it. 
know, I know, I shouldn't do these jokes, because it is the 90s, and women have struggled for equality, am I right? Yeah! Still struggling, am I right? Yeah! Man, you're useless! Oh, come on, put a couple of guys in that equality thing, you'd have had it done by now, for God's sake. Oh, come on, we give you one little job to do, and you can't even do that! Look, ladies, look, look, look. I was really drunk when I thought that up, so I'm not responsible. Oh, you can't make jokes about anything anymore. Look, oh, we live in such politically correct, tight times. My God, you, you can't, you're not allowed to make ethnic jokes. Did you know that? Not allowed. But you can make jokes about ethnic food. So. How about those nachos taking our jobs, eh? Yeah, those egg rolls, they can't drive. Oh, yeah! I'm sorry, did I, did I mention I'm a racist, sexist bastard, by the way? No, I'm not. But I am white male, and hey, that's close enough these days. On that issue about political correctness is that what is the difference for the audience? What is the difference between something that can be perceived to be politically incorrect, but actually it's a joke, folks, and something that's said on stage that is offensive and hurts someone? What's that difference? I think it's the laugh. Okay. (laughs) I think it's the agreement of the... To me, a laugh is agreement. I heard a lot of people laughing that night that uh, uh, Glenn got heckled and I was listening mm-hmm. to the room and I thought she's the only one who has objection to what he's doing right now. The rest of the room was laughing for God's sake. Well, that's what threw me off, right? Yeah. yeah if everybody's yeah. quiet, then you go, okay, maybe I should be switching gears here, but I wasn't switching gears because it was going great. You know? And how often did you use that joke in the past without oh. someone jumping in? Hundreds of times. Hundreds I'd, of times. I'd say by now I've probably done that joke a hundred times. Then you would have in the past found out if, if it flips out that line into offensiveness. Right. Everyone laughed at the joke. Exactly. A hundred times. The whole little yeah. chunk there. That whole little chunk is one of my most solid chunks and it will be on my next album, Unsafe and Unnecessary. Unsafe and Unnecessary. <laughs> I love that. You got to see the cover. The cover's great. <laughs> I can't imagine, yeah. It's uh, it's basically, uh, <laughs> it's a microphone that looks like a grenade. Now, before we go today, Glenn, what is your best joke? My best joke? Yeah. Oh, man. I hate to put you on the spot. Yeah, I really do feel on the spot here because, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what my best, it, it, you know, different jokes get different responses on on, you know, different nights, I guess, but... Uh, most consistently, I'd say the best joke is the one we heard there in that little clip, which is, uh, I don't want to seem old fashioned, but when mm-hmm. I was a little girl. When I was a little girl. <laughs> right? It's, it's just, it's so impeccable timing, by so the way. So simple, right? Joke. Yeah, it's a impeccable timing joke. Timing. A lot of my jokes, a lot of my jokes and my bits are 
really intricate and complicated. And I really wish I had simpler material because it's very hard to remember. <laughs> <laughs> like I sometimes, you know, in the middle of the show, I go, why do I have to make this so fucking complicated? Why do basically I'm making it more difficult for myself, you know, by doing controversial material or, or something that might be perceived as controversial or poking the bear as it were, you know, I'm, I'm not making it easy for myself. I'm there, I could go out and do a show that would be, so much easier to do and, and you know, accepted by everyone type thing. But I just have this thing in me where I like to get close to the line and I like to poke the bear, you know? Maybe you should call your next album Poke the Bear. Well, I kind of thought of that. Did but, you? Uh, okay. Yeah, but I think <laughs> unsafe is is a good word for the last, because everyone talks now about, you know, safe spaces and safe comedy and yeah. inclusive comedy and blah, 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 blah. So... A little bit of a, a little bit of a backlash against the, you know, I, comedy. Why should comedy be safe? I think it should be unsafe. You know, it, like to me, the whole notion of comedy is, is, or at least the way I see comedy being done, the kind of comedy I like is when people do take chances. You know, and I think the audience appreciates that too. Because, ooh, I didn't know where you were going there, but you pulled it off. You know, what did Anthony Jeselnik recently? I think a quote from him was. Uh, Art. Oh, it's not his quote. He told he it was um, Andy Warhol. Oh, OK. Andy yep. Warhol and, right, and Anthony right. Jeselnik, who does some very dark material, uh, quoted him as saying art is getting away with it. So, wow. If you didn't wow. get away with it, if the audience freaks on you. Right. Then you didn't get away with it. And, yeah. you, you know, but. But if if, you know, you, you do something and it's like a little dicey, but the audience still goes, all right, well done. And, you know, good job. I laughed at that. Even what I love is when people say I laughed at things that I didn't want to laugh. Like, you know what I mean? Like when you that's usually the funniest times. You yeah. trick them into laughing. Yeah. You know? Why is it that I think of um, the time where comedians were arrested on stage for saying things like Lenny oh, Carlin? Bruce yeah. And Carlin. Yeah. Lenny Bruce and Carlin. George yeah. Carlin. Yeah. yeah. Now we look back and a lot of those jokes are lame, but at the time they got them arrested. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's, you know, I mean, uh, we're, we're all kind of following in those footsteps, you know, and, and those guys did go to jail. I mean, I don't yeah. know if I'd be prepared to go to jail for a joke, but who knows? It's Canada. So it could happen soon. <laughs> Your day might come yeah. there, Glenn. It's coming. Oh, it's <laughs> absolutely coming. It's, it's, for sure it is. For yeah. sure. What's in the water in Canada? There are so many people that are funny, and and there's a long list of comedians that have come from Canada and made it big in the states. I think it's the outside perspective. We we are looking down, for lack of a better word, <laughs> on what's going on below, and we haven't out. We're not in the fishbowl. We're outside looking in. That makes sense. Yeah. Do do you ever do any Trump jokes? Because that's very topical. I only ever had one Trump joke, and that was. Before the election. And it was, here's a quick impression. Trump voters on election night. I said, fuck you. <laughs> Trump voters the day after. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good Trump joke. Right? It is. In the States now, in a lot of clubs, they won't allow political material. Because it's going to fire someone up, whether you're tr pro-Trump or anti-Trump or whatever. Yeah. And and uh, I can't remember 
who the comedian was. Oh, it was Carson. It was Johnny Carson. Okay. Johnny Carson said he would never do a political joke because he'd lose half the audience. There's a risk there. The Americans are so, in my opinion, so uh, separated. I mean, half of them are for Trump. Yeah. The other half are against Trump. And uh, you don't want to test those waters sometimes because if you get someone who's totally pro-Trump and you're against them, get ready for a backlash. Or pro one way or the other. Yes. Right? It could be a backlash. Divisive. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh Everything in America is so divided and confrontational. And and no one, you know, if if you, you, people won't even listen to an opinion from so, oh, that person's a Republican. Well, I can't I can't even I have to shut my ears. I don't even care what they're saying. They're Republican. You know, it's the same thing that's going on with this Israel Palestine thing. Hamas and Gaza and all that. Say, yeah. I could say still going on because it's been going on forever. Yeah. Right. But it's, it's polarized is, I think, another word that we're looking for here. Things have become very polarized, no matter what the topic seems to be. Everyone's at you know opposite ends of, and you don't really hear from the middle because you don't notice the middle. The middle is the middle. Everybody notices the extremes, right? That's what gets all the attention. Will there still be comedy clubs uh, ten years from now? And hopefully, will uh, like people like yourself be in them? Well, here's my thought going forward. I want to start doing private shows, right? Like not advertised, just, you know, mailing list, invite list, whatever. You do a lot of corporate shows, though. Like I, like, I do corporate shows, and it's sort of the same idea. Like if a company yeah. hires you, it's all people from the company type thing. But I would like to do that sort of situation. And you could still have it at a comedy club, but you just don't advertise it. You just say, you know, I want, I don't want anyone in that room who is A, not there for comedy. And B, doesn't know the kind of comedy I do, right? Right. Because comedy clubs, they have a whole other agenda apart from comedy. And depending on the club, now you can't stereotype them all, but a lot of them are just like, let's fill those seats any way we can. Let's get birthday parties. Let's get bridal parties, you know, stagettes, uh, the the worst (laughs) The worst. <laughs> Anytime there's a small, like a group in a in a in an audience, they're their own dynamic, and they're noisy, and sometimes they're disruptive, and, and so on and so forth. So, I think the way going forward is is you know I want to do a show. I'm going to do it here. If you want to go, then you need to let me know, and I'll let you know where it is. Because there's no difficulty finding a place to do a show. The difficulty is finding the people to put in the room, right? Yeah. So if I could do it the opposite way and find the people who want to be in the room and then, you know, do it privately, why not? Do I have to be in a comedy club? No. You could you could be in a local community center. Anywhere. 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 You could right. be down in my basement. Yes. How big and- your basement? Oh, it's uh, about a thousand square feet. That's probably big enough. <laughs> big enough to hold fifty people. As long as it's got a low ceiling, eh? Comedy, yeah, exactly. comedy clubs are all about small, cramped. That's why they're always upstairs or they're down in a basement. And and you want people packed together because there's certain dynamics, physics. There's physics to comedy uh-huh. before you even open your mouth and tell a joke. It's communal. 
low ceilings, keeps the laughter down. You, you ever see an outdoor comedy show? They're brutal. Brutal. Yeah, and I've done them yeah. because you can yeah. see the I audience, yeah. but you can't hear them. You can see them laughing, but you can barely yeah. hear them. Yeah. Now, speaking of which, uh, I go back to uh, the, the Just for Laughs Gala in 1995, I'm thinking, at the St. Denis Theater in Montreal. It's a big theater. Huge. How did, uh, would that have been one of your your biggest uh, venues? Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's Saint Denis. That would be what three thousand, I think. I think so. I think yeah. so. Yeah, I think that might be. But is your comfort level in more of a, like a, a Mark Breslin's yuck yucks type thing? Uh, like like as you said, the low ceilings. Yeah. The the intimate nightclub uh, is is. Does that make you feel more comfortable as a comedian? Well, I think the more uncomfortable the room is the more comfortable I am as a comedian because oh. comedy, as I say, is not about <laughs> comfort. You, you notice there aren't like big comfy couches in comedy clubs. And there's a reason <laughs> for that. They want you to be alert, on edge. They want it dark because people love anonymity. People like to laugh in the dark. You put the lights up, the laughs go down because people like to, you know, it's, Laugh's a weird thing. It's it's a group thing, but it's an individual thing. It's it's you know people don't want to be self conscious. They don't want to be seen to be laughing at anything really. Unless you know, it's a it's an odd thing. One thing, uh, Greg and I, when we were trying to come up for a title for today's episode, and I I want to get your clearance on this, <laughs> but could could we call this episode, Glenn? Laughter is the best medicine. Sure. Why not? It's a little. It's a, it's a little cliche. Well, it is. <laughs> but I was going to say it's kind of cliche. But do do you believe in that, or do you, you just? It's absolutely, I do. Absolutely, yeah. I do. I even. What do you a, think happens? I even have a personal story Perfect. about this. I um, I did a show years ago at uh, McMaster University in their pub there in Hamilton, and in Hamilton. That's yeah. right. And and so my friend, uh, you you probably know him, Simon Cotter. Simon Cotter, an old dear friend of mine. Yeah. Simon Cotter picked me up and we were going to this show together and I was quite sick. I was like throwing up sick. But if you don't show up, you don't get paid. So, <laughs> so he, he, I, he said, you just look so deadly. I threw up. Like the minute we pulled into the parking lot, I got out of the car and it's and I was like almost dead getting on stage. Like Simon said, you were white as a ghost when you got on stage. And by the end of the show, he said, the color started to come back into your face. And by the end of the show, I was fine. So in your case, laughter was the, was best, the best medicine, medicine exactly. that, that evening. Yeah. Other people's laughter was the best medicine. I can't thank you uh, enough for being with us today, Glenn. Oh, my pleasure. If you want to find out more about Glenn Foster, go to glennfoster.com and or or thatcanadianguy.com. The upcoming album, which will be out in 2024, is Unsafe and Unnecessary. Well, again, thanks for being on the program today. We really do appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Love.